nights and a lot of times in prayer and studying when I have to prepare on uh, preach on Wednesdays a lot of times I have a thought other times I don't I have to dig and get the mind of God last night uh, I went to hear Brother Eddie preach as our children or Sister Brandy is going to take them tonight to their class uh, I didn't have a thought and I just felt urged to go support Brother Eddie and his meeting that he was preaching up there and, uh, but just halfway through that service the Lord uh, just dropped a thought in my heart and studied it out last night I've never preached from this text before and, uh, as a matter of fact I've read the Bible through but until recently I didn't even uh, it's one of those things I, I don't really even remember reading it but uh, how many of you have heard the, heard the phrase or said the phrase, or uttered the words, I'm at my wit's end. Did you know that that's a biblical saying? Did you know that you can find wit's end in the Word of God? We're going to read it tonight. Book of Psalms 107, begin our reading with verse number 23, and read down through verse number 27. And it reads as this, They that go down to the sea in ships, that do business in great waters, these see the works of the Lord and the wonders in the deep. For he commandeth and raiseth the stormy wind, which lifteth up the waves thereof. They mount to the heaven. They go down to the depths. Their soul is melted because of trouble. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man and are at their wit's end. I want to preach tonight, if the Lord will help us for a few moments, on what to do when you're at wit's end. What to do when you're at wit's end. Father, may you add your blessings to the reading of the word of God tonight. Anoint us, oh God. God, no doubt there's somebody here Somebody that's watching by way of live stream, God, they have maybe uttered the, the words today or this week. I'm, I'm at the end of my rope. I'm at my wit's end. I don't know what to do. God, you've ordained this service for somebody tonight that feels like they're at wit's end. I pray, oh God, that you would strengthen, edify this body, Lord, that you'd touch that individual that needs touching and encouraging tonight. You see right where they are, that you know right what they need. I'm asking, oh God, that you would reveal yourself as provider, as healer, as prince of peace. God, whatever they need, I pray that you would reveal yourself as that and so much more. We're going to give you the glory, the honor, and the praise for all that you're going to do in advance. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church says amen. And amen. What to do when you're at wit's end. If you were to look up these verses in commentary, there's not a real consensus on what the psalmist was referring to in these verses. Some would say that this was one of the later or latter psalms that were written in chronological order and they were describing the journey of Jonah as he traveled from the presence of the Lord and uh, instead of going to Nineveh where he was supposed to go. He gets into the belly of a ship and he, he flees and goes to Tarshish, which is as far in the opposite direction as he could run from the will of God. And you know that story. 
very well how that a storm arose and Jonah ultimately was cast overboard. A, a great, uh, the Bible says God prepared a great fish. The, Jesus, when he was speaking, referred to it as a whale. Swallowed him up and um, for three days and three nights he was in the belly of the whale until he was, uh, God caused him to be spit out on dry ground. We know that story. Children are taught that story. This could possibly be what the psalmist was referring to when he wrote this psalm. We really don't know, but others say that this is an allegory or a parable, if you will, for the human experience in this journey called life. Many others say that this is uh, an allegory to the, the, the plight of you and I when we navigate the, the plots of life. We can see as the uh, people in our text, the Bible says that they go into the sea in ships that do business in great waters. We like these men. We are but vessels on the ocean of life. We see the wonders of God around us just like in Psalms 107 verse 24. In verse 25, there's not a single person in here watching my way of live stream tonight that has not gone through a storm like is being described in Psalms 107 verse Number 25, I've often said there's three types of people in life. Number one, those that are in a storm, those that are coming out of a storm, or those that are about to go headlong into a storm. And it seems like that as we navigate on the sea of life, that that is life. We just bounce from one storm to another. We get out of this one and have a chance to catch our breath and say, thank you, Lord, for bringing me through and we keep walking by faith in the Lord and here is something else out of left field that catches us off guard and, and unaware. And it seems like the more we walk with God, the more storms that we have to endure and we have to go through. Just like these people in Psalms 107, verse 25. Then it begins to describe the storm. It talks about how that they mount up to the heavens. And then they go down to the depths. Which means while they're in the middle of the storm, they crest the wave just to go right back down to the trough. Just bouncing on the sea as the waves and the winds are all around us. And sometimes, just like these individuals, the storms of life are too much for us to handle. Now I know that goes against the hyper-faith crowd. It says all you have to do is speak. And whatever you want in life, you can name it, claim it, and blab it and grab it. If that were the case, then I speak against all storms that I'm ever going to have to face in life. Don't ever send another storm my way, but that's not biblical. <laughs> that's not right. It doesn't mean that you're backslidden or out of the will of God. It just means that you're alive and that you're breathing. We're going to navigate some storms. We're going to go through some difficult and some turbulent times. Uh, amen. We, uh, we do all that we can to navigate the troubled waters. We rely on our intellect, on our strength, on our knowledge, on our training, on our past experiences. But sometimes the storm seems to be too much for us to handle. And we find ourselves like the man described in Psalms 107, verse number 27, it says they reeled to and fro and staggered 
like a drunken man. Now, the word picture that's being described here is not a man that's drunk on, on alcohol, but how many of you have been on a boat? How many of you have been on some choppy seas? If you're not used to being out there every day, it takes a while for you to get your sea legs. It takes a while for you to be able to become acclimated to the water. When we go out fishing, uh, we've gone out taking several trips with Brother Joey, men with the church, go out with Perry Davis, Brother Glenn's son, who charters a, a boat out of Fort Morgan. Last time we went, uh, the waters were rough. We're all bouncing around on the ship, trying to our boat trying to keep our bearings. He's walking just like, as good as he would on flat ground. He's used to it. He's acclimated to the conditions. He has his sea legs under him. But for us, that's not used to it, we stagger around, bouncing around the boat from, from one side to the other. That, that's the word picture that's being described here in the, the middle of this storm, having no legs, not having our bearings. And in verse number 26, it, the, the, the situation, this storm is de-escalating or, or it's becoming worse and worse Every word that's written and it says that their soul is melted because of trouble. What started out as a peaceful journey and ride on life's ocean, a storm has developed. We're staggering because of the blows. And then now, what was one time mental or physical uncertainty has now become spiritual uncertainty. When they said that our soul is melted because of trouble. Listen, it's one thing to be able to look at a storm and, and not know where the answer is coming from and even doubt yourself physically or your own strength. But it's something altogether different when your soul begins to doubt. And fear begins to take hold and, and creep in. Listen, a, a storm is magnified in intensity by a thousand when it causes spiritual uncertainty. And the fact of the matter is, we all can uh, act sometimes like we're super spiritual people. I call them SSPs. We can all act super spiritual, but every individual in here knows exactly what I'm talking about because you've been there. I've been there. It matters not how long you serve God. We all face storms and we go through times when we Amen. Are facing things that it seems like it's too big for us and out of our control. And it leads us to where these men were. They find themselves at wit's end. If you look up that phrase, wit's end, in the Hebrew, it literally means a place where all wisdom is swallowed up. A place where all knowledge, all intellect is gone. It means a place where nothing can be done physically to fix the problem at hand. You know, it's human nature for men and women to try to fix things. When we, men, when we have a problem, we like to fix it and we really don't like asking for help. We want to be able to fix it. If we have to ask somebody for help, then we're bad off. <laughs> and then because we like to have the answers, we like to think we have all the answers. Some count it a sign of weakness when we have to ask somebody else for help. We like to fix things on our own. But there's going to be some times when you go through a storm in life that you're just not going to be able to fix it. Google don't have the answer. Your wife don't even have the answer on how to fix it. 
Now that's a bad place to be. <laughs> Amen. When your wife don't even have the answer how to fix it. Uh, amen. It would do us do me a lot better off if I would listen to my wife more. Not to bring her up in messages because that evil eye that I'm getting right now. <laughs> amen. But uh, it's bad when we don't have uh, the answer to fix it. Uh, and nobody else has the answer to fix uh, our situation. That's what it means to be at wit's end. If we're honest with God and with ourselves, we have all been there. And some may be there tonight. You've been in a storm so long. You've done everything that you can to fix it. You've Googled all of the self-help that you can Google. You've looked up all the answers in psychology and trying to will yourself through it. Amen. But the fact of the matter is the more you try, the worse it gets. I mean, you're going to wake up and realize uh, that you're at wit's end. That's a very biblical place. That's where the psalmist found himself in Psalms 107. And we're going to see in just a moment, amen, how God can use wit's end. The first thing that I want us to notice is that when there is nothing that you can do to fix the situation at hand, what to do when you're at wit's end. If you can't fix it, you've got to call on someone who can. If I can't fix it and it's too big for me and I have no wisdom, intellect, or ability to change the situation at hand, you've got to do what the psalmist did. For when he found himself at wit's end in verse number 27, it says in verse number 28, then... They cried unto the Lord in their trouble. Then they lifted up their voice and began to cry out in prayer. What is that word then? That denotes a moment in time when they realized that they were at wit's end. When they realized the storm was too big for them and that none of their intellect, none of their ability was going to change the storm. When they come to the end of themselves and realize I'm at wit's end. I don't know how to fix it. Then they called unto the Lord in the middle of uh, their trouble. Uh, they realized at wit's end that the Lord uh, was their only hope. And can I tell you, church, uh, this is the place uh, that God wants to give each and every one of us. God wants to get us to this place. He allows us to get to wit's end because he wants us to go beyond ourselves and to realize some things we just don't have the answers to. Some things we're just not going to be able to fix. Some things we're not going to be able to mend or to repair. But we must realize that when we can't fix it and it's beyond us and it's out of our control that we can call upon the one who has never been to wit's end that has never seen a storm that he couldn't navigate that's never had a problem that he could not solve when we get to the place amen when we cry out to God and we resign everything to him and say I can't fix it but you can I'm putting it in your hand that is the place God wants us to be when we realize that he's our hope our strength, our peace, our joy, our healing. When all of that is not in us, but it's in Him, we are awakened to the awesome need that we must have Him. That He is not optional. 
That he is not just a, a, a luxury in this journey called life, but he is an absolute. We can do without a lot of things in this life, but we cannot do without him. Hallelujah. Amen. He is the source of everything that we need, but it takes us oftentimes getting to wit's end to where we can put him in his proper place. He wants us to get to that place where we cry out to Him. For some of us, that's the only time we pray when we get to wit's end. I heard a story one time of a Christian that was like Paul that had a thorn in their flesh and prayed for months, God, would you take this away? God, would you deal with this? This is a pain in my side. I can't do anything about it. Would you, would you fix it? I'm at my wit's end with this thing, Lord. I go to bed facing it. I wake up facing it. It bothers me all throughout the day. I need you to fix this. I said, after months of praying this, this person got angry with God. I said, God, I've been faithful I've prayed I've sought your face every day but no answers come I'm at my wits end God responded to him and said I'm not going to remove that thorn in your flesh because this is the only thing that will make you pray he said this is the only thing that brings you into communion with me this is the only thing that brings you when your knees to pray. For months, when things were going good, you were too busy to pray. You were too busy to fellowship and commune with me. And it was not until this thorn in your flesh appeared that you begin to cry out every day. You see, that's the oftentimes the way that we are when we're not going through the storm and we're navigating on the sea smooth of glass. Many of us have the mentality, we don't need God. We're able to do things on our own. And then the, 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 the sea is smooth. Oh, but when we get into the storm, the first thing that we want to do is cry out to God. Oh, God, help me. Oh, God, save me. Amen. Man, we must never fall into this trap. Amen. To where we have to have a thorn in our flesh and in our side to make us cry out to God. Amen. But we must always say, Lord, whether it's in good times or bad, I'm at wit's end. I can't do nothing without you. I can be nothing without you. In Him I live. I move and I have my being. I resign to you. I give my all to you, oh God. Amen. I can't can't navigate life, but you can. God was dealing with my heart, and I and I almost missed this because it's so easy to just read right over it. When we're reading about the journey of life, we're reading about the boat being tossed. We're reading about them being at wit's end, and we can all acknowledge that we've been there. But let's look at the author of the storm. Now, I know this ain't going to get me on TBN. But let's look at verse 23. They that go down to the ships and the seas that do business in great waters, they see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. 
For he commandeth and raiseth up the stormy wind, which lifteth the waves thereof. Now, I know this goes against the grain with a lot of modern theology, but it's right theology nonetheless. In Psalms 107, God commanded the storm in their life. God allowed the storm in their life to come. Now, I know that we don't like to think of God in this context. We like to think of God as the deliverer, and that he is. We like to think God is the rescuer, and yes, he is. But in this instance, God allowed the storm that came. And I, I begin to ponder on these verses, Lord. And I, I begin to think back. And, and my mind immediately went to Job. We don't like to think of negative things that happen in our life as being allowed by God. But the fact of the matter is, is that nothing can touch your life that is not first signed off and allowed by him. God may not be the author of every single storm that you go through in your life, but God does allow every single storm that you go through in life. He allows the big ones. He allows the little ones. Amen. I, I looked up this in commentaries and David Wilkerson said this, a great man of God. He said in these verses, God himself had initiated this storm. For he commandeth and raiseth the stormy wind in verse 25. He, the one who brought the sailors to the place. The one who brought them to this moment in times in their life. He's the one raising the wind, stirring the waves, tossing the ship. This in Psalms 107 was all his doing. But yet we can look at this and we can blame and we can curse God and say, why did you allow this? I'm being faithful. I'm paying my tithe. I'm worshiping. I'm faithful to the house of God. Why did you allow this? Why have you brought me to the storm? You can focus on that or you can find the great encouragement of faith whenever trouble hits us from all sides. When we have the knowledge that all troubles and all storms in life have been allowed by God for those that walk in righteousness. They're not just navigated by the devil without God's seal of approval or some particular sin that we go through. Rather, the Lord has allowed this in our lives to bring us to wit's end. And if God has brought us to wit's end, He has a purpose behind the pain. He has a purpose behind the plan. And what is that purpose? Amen. It's so that His glory may be revealed in us by Christ Jesus. It's so that He can receive the glory. Amen. And somehow, some way, His light can be shown to pierce the darkness uh, when we're at this place of misery called uh, with sin. Uh, oh, hallelujah. Amen. God brings us to these places uh, and these moments in life. Uh, he wrote in 1 Peter 4, 12, Beloved, uh, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you uh, as though some strange thing hath happened unto you, uh, but rejoice uh, in so much. Uh, amen. How, what do you do when you're at with sin? Uh, not only are you to call upon the one that can, but you're to rejoice when you get there. Now this is harder to practice than it is to preach. Nobody likes getting to this place 
And when we get there, nobody just wants to have camp meeting and rejoice. But that's what the word of God says, thinking not strange concerning the fiery trial. But rejoice in so much as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. Amen. Wilkerson wrote, God is not surprised by your ordeal. In fact, it's happening because he wants to produce something glorious in your heart. And that is that his glory may be revealed in you to show you that when you are at wit's end, your God is not. When you're in wit's end uh, and you don't know how to fix it, uh, you can put your situation in the one, uh, amen, who has the answer uh, every single time. Uh, that's not moved by the storms uh, of this life, uh, but one that's able to walk on uh, the troubled seas uh, and come walking to your right uh, where you are. Hallelujah. Amen. God brings us to this point uh, so his glory can shine. Number two, we must realize that storms are allowed by God. And if God allowed the storm, then God knows just how to bring us out. I don't know how to get out myself. If I did, my storms would last about 15 minutes. And I'd find the quickest exit. But sometimes, Brother Eddie preached this in a message not too long ago, something God showed him. Sometimes if we take the easiest and the earliest ramp to get out of the storm, then we're going to get off course to where God's taking us. We're going to miss the greater glory. When we're at wit's end, we've got to rely on him to say if God allowed us to get to this place, then God's going to bring us out of this place. God's going to bring a way out. Amen. The word of God says that there hath no temptation taken you, but that such is common to man. In other words, there is no storm that you go through that your neighbor isn't going through the same thing. That your brother and sister in Christ has not navigated before. There is no temptation to you. There's no storm. There's no tribulation taken you, but that such as is common to man. But God is faithful. I mean, you could stop right there and preach a seven-week series on the faithfulness of God. Even when you get to wit's end and the storm of your life is too big for you, my God is faithful. Hallelujah. My God is true. My God is an ever-present help in time of need. Whether I'm in the storm or whether I'm not, whether I'm on the mountaintop or whether I'm at wit's end, it does not change the faithfulness of God. It does not change the long suffering of God. Amen. And he will not suffer us to be kept in above that which you are able. If you're in a big storm tonight, it's because God knew you could handle it. Amen. If we're facing a Eurachlodon, the largest water storm known to man, God knew that we could that he could trust us with it and that we can handle the storm. He would allow us to be tempted above that which we are able, but will also with the temptation make a way of escape that we can be able to bear it can I tell you Jesus Christ is that way of escape and when you're in wit's 
sin, call out to him. Put your hand in the hand of the man that calms the waters. And in his time, he will bring you out every time. God allowed and ordained the storm. You've got to trust him. Trust him that he knows how to bring you out. He'll do it for us. There's four things I want us to see in the scripture. When they were at wit's end, when they cried out to God for help, they said, God, I can't do this anymore. I'm turning this thing over to you. They cried unto the Lord in their trouble. And the first thing says, He bringeth them out of their distresses. It wasn't until they cried out and got a hold of God that he was then able to bring them out. When you're at wit's end and you don't see a way out, cry unto the Lord and by his spirit he's able to bring you out. We see this application in the New Testament in John chapter number 6 when the evening was now coming his disciples went down into the sea he entered, this is Christ, into his ship and went over to see toward Capernaum. And it was now dark and Jesus was not come unto them. And the sea arose by reason of a great wind that blew. So that when they had rowed about five and twenty or thirty furlongs, they see Jesus walking on the sea and draweth nigh unto the ship. And they were afraid. They were at wit's end. They were in a storm. Brother Bible, they did not know how to get themselves out. Peter was a fisherman. He knew a thing or two about navigating on the seas in a storm. He knew what it was like to be there on the storm. He was a fisherman and a good one at that. But even the best skilled fisherman of his day, when he found himself in the storm, he was afraid. He was at wit's end. But when Jesus showed up, he said unto them, It is I. Be not afraid. You're at wit's end, but I'm not. You're worried, wondering how you're going to make it out alive. I'm not worried in the least bit. What you're afraid of and it is over your head is under my feet. Hallelujah. I've got authority over the wind and the seas. And what you're struggling about thinking whether it's going to kill you or not. Amen. It's just a smooth walk in the park for me. Hallelujah. And when they brought him into the ship, immediately the ship was at land wherever they went. Amen. This showed that Jesus was able to bring them out of the distress of the hour. The same way the author and the finisher of the faith in Psalms 107, when they cried unto the Lord, he by his spirit was able to bring them out of all of their distresses. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Bless God if he did it for them, then we are no different. If we'll cry, if we'll seek him diligently, get to that point where all of our hope is lost in and of ourselves, he too can come walking on the troubled waters of your soul and bring you out of the distress that you're in.
when you're at wit's end, Christ is able to deliver you even when you can't deliver yourself. That's what the Word of God says. When they cried unto the Lord, He brought them out of their distresses. Number two, not only did He bring them out, but I love this. He makes the storm calm. He made the storm calm. What they could not do themselves, God did. You see, man has no power over nature. Just wait. I hope it's not today. I hope we don't experience it. But just wait let a storm pop up in that gulf. When they bring out that first projected path, I saw one a couple of years ago when it was down out in the Atlantic, they were showing like the 7 to 10 day forecast model. If I'm lying, I'm dying. They had one model that was pointing it down to Belize and Costa Rica. And they had another model that was pointing it up to between North and South Carolina and trailing over to Bermuda. And all in between was spaghetti plots. I'm trying to predict where the storm is going to go. They have no clue where the storm is going to go. They just want to make themselves look intelligent and sell advertisement. And we're the dummies that sit there and want to believe half of what they're saying. From Belize to Bermuda, you're talking thousands upon thousands upon thousands of miles. But that proves to us one thing. Man can't control nature. If we could, then there never would be another hurricane hit Gulf Shores ever again. Because we would get in the hyper word of faith movement and cast it to Iceland or Greenland or uh, cast it down to Antarctica somewhere. We can't control nature. God can make the storm calm. This shows us in Mark chapter number 4. In, our, in, in, in this text. When a storm the disciples found themselves in two storms in scriptures. One we read unto you in Luke, or John chapter number 6. This one is found in Mark chapter number 4. When they were in the ship. And there arose a great storm of wind. And the waves beat the ship so that it was now full. And Jesus uh, was in the hinder part of the ship asleep on the pillow. And they awake him and said, Master, carest thou not that we perish? You want to know where they were? They were at wit's end. Lord, we're perishing here. Don't you even care we're going to die? Don't you even care we're going under? Jesus said, why are you so fearful? When they were at wit's end, Jesus was not. How is it that ye have no faith? He rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. They feared it exceedingly and said, What manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? We can speak to a hurricane all day long and it's not going to obey any one of our voices. But when Jesus speaks the words, hallelujah, it's got to go. 
It's got to stop. Amen. And there can be a great calm. This shows that he has power over all natures. And all we have to do, amen, is to cry out to him. Amen. Lift our voice unto him. And when he lifts his voice unto it, the storm, the great storm, amen, there will be produced a great calm. Hallelujah. He can still say peace be still to every single storm that you face. Bringeth about and produceth the calm. And number three, the Bible said in verse number 30, and they were glad because they'd be so quiet. He bringeth them unto their desired haven. He brought them to the destination that they were trying to get to before the storm veered them off course. You see, God has a destination in mind for you every day of your life. And even though the storms may blow us off course, blow us off track, when we get a hold of Him, hallelujah, and He says, peace be still, and He brings us through the storm, He can still bring us to that desired haven, that desired harbor that He wants us to get to. Listen, there is a harbor we sang about it tonight, page 306, in the Word of God. I have good news to bring, and that is why I sing all my joys with you. I'll share. I plan to take a trip in the good old gospel ship and go sailing through the air. Listen, can I tell you, 17 years ago, I boarded the old ship of Zion. Hallelujah. And I've had to navigate myself. Amen. And I've had to, to navigate some troubled waters. And we've gone through some turbulent times. Oh, but hallelujah. With the Holy Ghost as our guide. And Jesus as our captain soon and very soon. We are going to drop anchor in port heaven. With streets of gold. Amen. Gates of pearl. Walls and jasper. Where God our Father eternally will be. Amen. If we stay with the ship. He is going to bring us to our heaven. He is going to bring us to our haven. That place that we so long for. There's not a storm in hell that can keep you from heaven. If you make up in your mind, no matter what happens, I'm going. I'm going. Amen. If you make it to that place before I'm hurrying to spot the storm. God showing his power, bringing them to their place of heaven. Verse 31 says, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Despite the storm that you're facing at wit's end, God is still worthy to be praised. Amen. Oh, that men would praise the Lord. That's not dependent upon your circumstances or the storm that you find yourself in. But oh, that men would praise the Lord. What to do when you're at wit's end? You should still lift up your hands and praise God. Because He's worthy to be praised. Hallelujah. To exalt His holy name. Our worship should never be contingent upon our circumstances. Because if it is, it is not worship. It is not worship. 
Lord, I, I woke up with a toothache. I really don't feel like worshiping today. Then whatever you give God is not worship. You see, you worship God because of who he is. Whether you got a toothache or whether you ain't got a tooth in your head, he's still worthy to be praised. <laughs> he's worthy to be worshiped. Whether you're on the mountaintop or whether you're at wit's end, it should never impact your worship. It should never impact your praise. I mean, you say, these are all Old Testament examples. I have to have something in the New Testament to hold on. Old Covenant versus New Covenant. Kirsten, come help me. I'm done. You read about another storm in Acts chapter number 27. When the Bible says of Paul that the ship was caught up and could not bear it in the wind, we let her drive, we let her go. We did all that we could do and we just said whatever is going to happen is going to happen. They lighted the ship, threw off all the extra cargo and tackle. The storm got worse. The Bible says that when neither stars nor sun nor stars and many days appeared and no small tempest lay on us. This wasn't just a 15 minute storm. But when the sun nor the stars appeared in many days, all hope that we should be saved was taken away. You want to know where they were? They were at wit's end. They were at the place where all human knowledge and intellect had evaded them. They did everything that they could possibly do to navigate the storm through all the cargo cut the ropes, let the ship drive. Whatever happens, happens. And all hope that we should be saved was taken away. They were at wit's end. But even in this storm, Paul still had enough wits about him to know what to do. In Psalms 107, despite being at wit's end, they lifted up their voice and called unto God. And Acts chapter number 27, the Bible says after long abstinence, meaning after a long season of prayer, Paul showed up in the middle of them and said, Men and brethren, you should have hearkened unto me and not loosed from where we were. See, sometimes it is biblical to say, I told you so. You should have listened. You should have obeyed. This was godly counsel. You gone contrary. We're in the storm because you failed to heed God's word. After long abstinence, he said, I exhort you to be of good cheer. For this night, there appeared unto me an angel of the God that I serve and said, Fear not, Paul. <laughs> There won't be any loss of life among the ship, but the ship. But those that stay with the ship, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing, those that stay with the ship shall be saved. And Paul said, wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God, that it shall be exactly as he has spoken it unto me. When you're at wit's end, don't lose your faith in God. 
what to do when you're listening. Lift up your voice. Hold on to his hand. Praise, worship him. Stand on his word. When, when they were at wit's end, Paul had enough wits about him to call out unto God. And I want you to realize this. God met him there. He met him in Psalms 107. He met him in Acts 27. And when you're at wit's end, God will meet you where you are. When you can't get to where he is, by his spirit, he'll come to where you are. Even if you're at wit's end. Even if you're at the end of the road. I know that this is simple preaching tonight. But there were three things I want you to realize when Paul was at wit's end that God gave him. Number one, God gave him his word. When God could swear by none greater, God swear by himself. God always keeps his word. And when Paul had nothing else to hold on to in the middle of his storm when he was at wit's end, he could hold on to the word of God. Heaven and earth is going to pass away, but the word of God is going to abide and endure forever. And when you can't stand on anything else at wit's end, honey, you can stand on the word of God. When there's nowhere else to turn to, you can turn to the word of God. When there's nothing else to hold on to, you can hold on to the Word of God even when you are at wit's end. Number two, God not only gave him his Word, but he gave him protection. In the midst of a storm, God didn't allow the storm to overtake him. Yeah, it got rough. Yeah, the ship broke up. Broke up into pieces, but those that held on to the boards, those that held on to the ship. God gave them protection. And not only did God give His Word and God give protection, but God gave them deliverance to where every single one of them made it out alive. And when God brought them to an island called Miletus, the Bible said that the barbarians there, they only called them barbarians because they did not speak the same language. They spoke in a different language. The Bible says they showed them no little kindness, which means they showed them great kindness. For they kindled them a fire and received them everyone. Not only did God bring about His Word and gave them His Word and gave them protection, He delivered them. Not a single one of them died of hypothermia. Not a single one of them drowned. Some things only God can do. And when you're with sin and you've got nothing else to hold on to, you can hold on to his word. You can hold on to his protection. And you can hold on to the fact that in his time, God will give you deliverance. When's it going to be, preacher? I don't know. I'm not God. I don't know. God can calm the storm tonight as he did in uh, the book of Mark. He said, peace be still in the calm. The, the storm was calm. Or it could be like John chapter number 6 where he didn't calm the storm. But instead he shielded them under his arms and brought them safely to land despite the storm. I'm not God. I don't know how long your storm's going to last. I don't pretend to say God's going to calm it tonight. I, I know he can. I know that it is within his power. 
but it could be something God is getting ready to show you His greater glory. And the storm may rock on a day or two. It may rock on a week or two. But when you don't have anything else to hold on to, hold on to His hand. Because that hand is able to extend even to wit's end. Even to the place, amen, where you are. You may be here tonight and you're at wit's end. I can tell you you're at the right place. Because when your intellect ends, that's when his begins. When your ability stops, that's when his is able to start. Preacher, I've been facing this for some time now. I, I, I don't understand why. I don't know why. I'm at the end of my rope. I'm at wit's end. I don't know where else to go. You're going to go to God in prayer. And he's going to meet you there. Tonight, you're at wit's end. You're in the right place. There's some that couldn't make it tonight but told me they're watching my way of live stream tonight. Some I know for a fact are in a storm. Some are at their wit's end. But I believe by faith the same Holy Ghost that we feel in here. Amen. Is able to meet them where they are. Hallelujah. Even at their wit's end. And God can bring about a great calm. And God can bring them to that desired haven that he has prepared. I wonder if you would meet me in this altar tonight. Amen. If you're at wit's end, you're in the right place. If you're not at wit's end, you know somebody that is. Amen. Intercede for them. Amen. Call their name out to God. Hallelujah. He's able to meet them where they are. Come on, let's pray tonight.